The Hiding Place. We're finishing up the series today, and The Hiding Place, and if you've been here for the last eight or nine weeks, you would remember the fort that was built right here. And uh, we talked about how we all need a hiding place. And as kids, sometimes when I was growing up, me and my brother would build forts, and, and it was just like this really neat feeling to get up in that fort when it was raining, and you felt like you were being protected from the rest of the world. And we would pretend that there were wild animals out there, and, you know, and we're hiding from them. If they got too close, we would kill them with our slingshots. Good, clean fun, I'm just telling you. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, as we get older, there are wild animals out there. It's called life. And what happens is sometimes we can get so good at being good that we forget we need a hiding place. And when we refuse to recognize the fact that we need a hiding place, we wind up hiding somewhere we shouldn't be hiding. And when we find ourselves in those places, we get in trouble. And so my hope is that through exploring the covenant names of God as our hiding place, we would reference God as our hiding place. We, we, we launched this series out of Psalms uh, 91, 1 and 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so you have these covenant names of God. And God, all through the Old Testament, gives us the covenant names. And, and you, you see the, the idea behind these names of God. What He's trying to show his children who he is. Now, we passed out these cards uh, all, all during every one of these messages over the past eight or nine weeks. And on those cards are the covenant names of God. And it, it would say Jehovah Sidkenu. And that's God, my righteousness. Now, that word Jehovah means I am. Remember when Moses, it was going to, God sent Moses to to Pharaoh, and Moses says, God, who should I tell them sent me? What did God say? Tell them the period. I love that. I am sent you. And there's there's no more discussion needed. He is. He was, he is, and he is to come. So when you hear that, when you see that word Jehovah in front of a covenant name of God, it appropriates that name. I am God, your righteousness. I am God, your sanctifier. I am God, your provider. I am God, your peace. I am God, your banner, so forth, so on. God is trying to teach us in the Old Testament, teach the children of Israel who he wants to be to them. He wants to be the all-encompassing, perfect father. Why is it important for us to learn this? It's important because it elevates our sense of trust in God as our Father, and it also helps us explore explaining to the world who God is to us. Because the church has done a really crappy, can I say crappy? A really crappy job at showing the world who God really is. And much of the reason is because we don't know who He is to us. We only know what somebody from a platform has told us who he is. When, if we would pick up this wonderful book and read it for ourselves, we will come to the conclusion that he is a great father. He is the father of love. He's full of grace and mercy, so much so that he sent his only son to die for us. That's a God that I can worship. That's a God that I can trust. God is not sitting on the throne up there drinking wine and eating grapes, waiting to bop us on the head with a lightning bolt when we mess up. He's a loving God. He's an everlasting God. So he gives us these covenant names. Now, it's very important to remember that in all of these covenant names, Jesus encompasses all of these. Jesus fulfills every one of these covenant names as he walks the face of this earth. Wow. And so 
so we went through some, we're on the last one today, and so we're going to look at Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. And so when we think about Jehovah Rapha, my healer, Jehovah, I am your healer. We get this from Exodus, the book of Exodus 15, 26. I don't have time to read the whole passage. I'll just read verse 26. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands, keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. The word Rapha means this. To restore, cure, heal, not only in the physical sense, but also in the spiritual and moral sense. Rapha, that word Rapha, healer, is used 70 times in the Old Testament. And every time it's used, it's used in conjunction with to restore, to cure, to heal, not only in the physical sense, but also in the spiritual and moral sense. So I am the God who heals. Let's define heal. To cause a wound, injury, or person to become sound or healthy again, to alleviate a person's distress or anguish. So God is looking at the children of Israel going, look, I've brought you out of bondage, and if you will just work with me on this, I'm not going to bring up on you any of the wrath, any of the disease that I brought up on the Egyptians. In other words, would you be my people? Would you walk with me? Would you talk with me? And as you do, I'm going to cure you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to keep you from anguish. So you get this idea. God wants to be that for the children of Israel. God wants to be that for us today. And he was that through sending his only son, Jesus Christ, for us. So let's get into this. Number one, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. God is our physical healer. This is, this is hard. And you might ask the question today as we get into this, this first point. Why does God heal some people and not other people? Don't know. I don't know. I know God's ways are higher than my ways. We'll get into more of this on the last point of the message. But I do know this. Jesus encompasses this name, Matthew 4, 23 through 24. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. You say, Jason, do you believe that physical healing is still part of Christianity today? And I have to say yes. Yes. I've seen people get healed. I've also sat beside bedside of men of God in my life that impacted me, watched their bodies waste away as I prayed the prayer of faith and then went to a funeral. Why did they not get healed? I don't know. I just know God's ways are higher than my ways. But, but I do believe God still heals physically. I don't think you can relegate that to just the, uh, the New Testament and when Jesus walked the face of the earth and then in Acts. He's the, if the Bible says, skip to this last verse on this point, the last verse on this point, the next verse. Larry, the, thank you. Hebrews 13, 8 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Physical healing is a touchy subject in the church today. Because you got one side over here that says that was for yesterday. Our days are ordained by God and whatever has happened is going to happen. Then you got this side way over here that says if you had enough faith, they would have got healed. If anybody ever comes up to you and says, if you have enough faith, you'll be healed, they're idiots. Watch this. We have to have faith and we have to pray the prayer of faith. But if God's will determined on our heightened level of faith, we become our own God. 
It's not even biblical. We pray the prayer of faith and we believe. We roll the dice. And then we let God be God. Paul, responsible for two-thirds of the books in the New Testament. Paul prays this prayer three times. He says, God, would you please take this what from me? This thorn from my flesh. Now, would you call Paul a person of faith? 40, 40 lashes time minus one. Shipwreck, abandoned, naked, hungry, left out to die. Keeps planting churches. Keeps going to cities where he knows they're going to beat him. <laughs> He's just like, Paul didn't get a clue. Let's just go to the edge of town, set up a little booth, tent revival. If you want God, come out here. I'm not coming in there because see these scars? So we can relegate Paul to a man of faith, correct? Paul prays three times. Lord, take this thorn from my flesh. Lord, take this thorn from, Lord, take this from me. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Why does this keep, why is this still continuing in my life? Now, we don't know what that, the Bible doesn't tell us what he's praying about. Now, I heard some stupid man say one time, it was praying about a woman. (laughs) I didn't say that. I did not say that. We don't know what he was praying about, but we do know he was a man of faith, and he asked God to deal with that. And what does God say to him? Your, my grace, God says, is sufficient. Some of you in this room right now may, may be arguing with God because you lost a loved one to a sickness, or you, you, you've, you've seen a, a loved one who struggled with mental illness, maybe self-inflicted, self-inflict fatal wounds upon themselves or, or, and, and you argue with God over that. Can I, can I tell you, it's okay to argue with God, but you're still here? Thus saying, His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient to see you through understanding. And so we can't discount the fact that God still heals physically, but also we can't discount the fact that His, His ways are higher than our ways. And we'll get more into the seen and unseen as we get to the end of this message. But, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you need a physical healing in your life? You, you do what James says. Get people around you, people of faith, pray about it. Rolling the dice is kind of a, like maybe not real spiritual thing. But in faith, God, I'm praying the prayer of faith. You be God. And whatever happens, I know this. Your grace is sufficient. Let that heal up some wounds today and just know his grace is sufficient. Enter into that grace and realize that the seen is not eternal. The unseen is. Second thing, Jehovah or Rapha, I am the God that heals you from your past. God heals us from our past. Don't raise your hand on this, but how many of us in this room would say, I deal with my past on a constant basis? We do, don't we? Our, our, minds, our, our minds are like DVRs. Anybody have a DVR? Do you know what a DVR is? Okay. For some of you people who've been around for a while, our minds are like VCRs. Anybody know what a VCR is? Now I got you. Now I got you. Yeah. God created our minds to record things. That's why it's so important to renew our minds with the washing of the Word. We wash our minds with with the Word of God on a daily basis. 
Because our minds, our minds are created to hang on to things. Can I tell you that every moment you spend in the past is a moment you waste in the present? Every moment you spend in bitterness because of what someone did to you in the past is a moment that you miss in the present to bless someone? See, see, we, we're created. So Paul says this, Philippians 3, 13 and 40. And if anyone knew about forgetting the past, it was Paul. Used to be Saul. Persecuted Christians. This guy really needed God to do something in his heart and mind about his past. And he says this in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God heals us from our past. You do not have to live in your past. Are there consequences for decisions that we make? Yes. It's called the law of uh, sowing and reaping. Even people who don't believe in God believe in that law. You go out and you sow an apple seed, what kind of tree are you going to get? The law of sowing and reaping, is, is, it's, a, it's a universal law. You can't argue with it. And so, yes, there are consequences sometimes that we have to deal with in our past, but God's saying you don't have to live in your past. Sometimes you have to live with your past, but you don't have to live in your past. Does that make sense? And so you move forward, you strain forward, you reach forward, you look ahead, and you say, God, that's my past. You have dealt with that. You have forgiven me. I am no longer going to waste any more days of my life doing mental gymnastics of what I should have done, what I shouldn't have done, what I should have said, what I shouldn't have said. I'm not going to deal with that anymore. I'm going to turn. I'm going to strain forward, and I'm going to look for a new life. Look, at uh, Corinthians says this. 517 in the second book of Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. The new is here. How many of you have got a new car lately? Anybody have gotten a new car lately? Awesome. Praise God. Some of you are like, I've said this, some of you are like, yeah, I can get a new car. That's why you don't get a new car. You got to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. You say, I'm so happy you got a new car. I want to come, I want to, I want to ride in that car. Throw some worship music on and go down A1A. Our friends are coming back from the north, so you will be going slow. <laughs> worship about that car anyway. There's something about new car smell. When I go get my, my truck clean, they say, do you want any fragrance? New car. And knowing it's only going to last for like three hours. Tops. Then it turns into some kind of funky smell that I'm not sure what it is. It's mixing in with French fries. And <laughs> but but here, here, here's what Paul's trying to teach us right here. If I hide myself in Christ, if I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, if I've put my faith in Christ as the Messiah, the one true way to spend eternity with God in heaven, I've placed myself in Christ. And if I'm found sealed up in Christ, the old me stays on the outside of that. The new me is here. Now, we don't wake up every day feeling new, do we? Some days we do. Some days we wake up and like, I got this. Snap. I feel good. I feel new. Some days we wake up, we don't smell new. In a spiritual sense, right? In a spiritual sense. We, we, it's like, where is that newness? Our newness does not depend on how we feel. Our newness depends on what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And when we hide ourselves in Jesus, we, we find this, this healer, Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you from your past. You don't have to deal with your past anymore. Let it go. 
It's your past. You lean on it. You remember the swing. You lean into your past to gain momentum to go forward into your future. You don't look back to your past and you don't dwell in your past. You learn from it and you move forward. Good? Jehovah Rapha, next thing. God heals us from our sins. We're creatures of sin. We're born into sin. Someone else did something that made us sinners, and that was Adam and Eve. Someone else did something that made, us, made a way for us to be righteous, and that was Jesus Christ. Don't, don't feel like you're special because you sin. Don't feel like that you're in a, a room full of people who don't sin. That's, yeah, if you ever go to a church and the church puts off the persona that everyone else is perfect and you're looking around going, man, these people got it together, just leave that church because they're putting on a show, right? We're, we're a beautiful mess. We sin. We don't purposely sin, but we sin because we're flesh. We're human. Job says we sin like sparks fly upwards. That's what we do. But God fixed this for us in Jehovah Rapha. He heals us from our sin through what Jesus did for us. And, and this is where the healing, this, this is what we have to get. The, the epicenter of God's healing in our life comes through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He, meaning Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. In other words... He overcame the world so that we can overcome the world. So he bore our sins. He took our sins upon him so that every day of our life we can die to flesh and we can die to the sins in our life and live. We can try to live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Peter's telling us right here, look, God took care of the sin problem through Jesus. And what Jesus did for us, he bore our sins. He took our sins upon him so that we could live for righteousness. God, Jehovah Rapha, heals us of our sin. Isaiah 52, I believe it's verse 5. Yeah. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Now, some of you have been around church for a while. You read this, and it just flows right over you. Don't, don't, don't let verses like this just mean something. This means everything if you're a person of faith. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Don't skip past that. He was hurt for us. He was tortured for us. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. The weight of the sin of the world, the weight of my sin, the days that I fell God miserably were on Jesus when he hung on that cross. He was crushed. It, it hemmed in, him in, it hemmed him in, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. In other words, the death that we deserved, he took for us. Sin brings death. So the death that we deserve, he took for us. Therefore, we have peace with God through what he did for us on the cross. And by his wounds, we are healed. So what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross heals us of our sin sickness. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ in its simplicity. It's not rocket science. God had to make a way to be with the apple of his eye, which is, which is you and I. And so he says, I'm going to send my only son. Jesus finishes the job. And now we have a way to be with God for eternity because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. That's good news. I mean, if you're, if you're going to say, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian, that's good news. That, that's the news the world needs to hear. It's not overcomplicated, over spiritualized. 
it, it was, there was a problem. There was a sin problem. And God said, I've done everything I could do to try to get these knuckleheads to understand I love them and, and I've tried to make a way for them. Now I'm going to send the way maker, Jesus Christ. And the way is going to be made. Now it's up to them whether or not they're going to follow in that way. God's hands off, I've done everything I can do. He heals us from our sin sickness. Number four, God heals our heart. Jehovah Rapha, I am your healer that heals your heart. Don't raise your hand on this one either, but how many of you know what it is to be brokenhearted? And I'm not talking about grade school. Check yes, check no. <laughs> you little note you sent across. Like, you, you know, what was the name of that show? The, the little boy, uh, The Wonder Years. Anybody remember The Wonder Years? Yeah, thank you. But that, that was such a pictorial of childhood. And I remember one episode, he's, he's just like daydreaming over this little girl on the other side of the room, like day after day. And finally, he gets up the nerve to send the note. You know the note? You know the note, don't you? Check yes or no. She checks no. I'm not talking about that kind of broken heart. However, if your kids come home and they're broken hearted and they're in grade school and they say they said no, it's a big deal to them. So if they're girls, you tell them boys are nothing but trouble. And if they're boys, you tell them girls are hard work. <laughs> and one day they'll realize you are the smartest parent ever. <laughs> no, seriously, most of us in this room know, we know what it means to be brokenhearted, don't we? Dreams dashed, relationships gone, people who are supposed to love us, hurting us, stabbing us in the back, letting us down. Brokenhearted, like really downcast, just broken hearted inside. Psalms 147.3 says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals, He is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. And He cures, He restores, He heals the brokenhearted. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I'm, I really feel like I have a broken heart right now. See, two things happen when you get your heart broken. Two, two main things. One is you let God work, and we'll talk about that in just a second. You let God heal and bind. But, but for most of us, here's what happens. We get calloused, and we get really hard. And we determine, even though, and sometimes I don't even think it's consciously done. It just happens. Somehow we, we create a self-mechanism, self-defense mechanism in that area of our life where we get our heart broke, and we put up a wall. We put up a wall and we say, you know what? I am never, ever going to let anybody else into that area of my life. We all know people like that, right? Good people go to church, you know, good, good in the community. But if you ever get close to that area, you better watch out because they, they've purposed in their heart. You're not, getting, you're not getting close to me in that area of my life. I've been hurt once and, and I will not be hurt again. Calloused, hard. And here's, here's what happens. That attitude flows over into other areas of your life. And year after year, before you know it, you wake up one day, you're bitter, you're not fun to be around, you're negative, and you're hardened. Because someone broke your heart, and you refuse to let God heal you and bind that place in your life up. I love that binding up. It, I played baseball a lot. I played a lot of sports growing up. But we'll use baseball as an illustration here. Uh, I have broken all of my fingers at least once and my thumbs multiple times, right? And so my dad... He, he, he got to the point where he would carry popsicle sticks. Seriously. I mean, I know now you go to urgent care. Oh, my gosh. His finger's going that way and it's turning blue. We were broke. Plus, there wasn't urgent care then. 
<laughs> Urgent care in my family was it got real bad. We went to grandma's house. <laughs> and her answer for everything was casserole. <laughs> I'm like, grandma, my finger's going that way. Take some casserole. <laughs> now I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, I thought you said you were constipated. You <laughs> Yeah, but, but my dad, my dad would be like, oh, that's a good one. Hey, look at that. And I'd look up there and he'd go, what? And you'd think I would catch on to that after year after year, and I never did. I trusted my dad. I was like, what? Wham. And he'd take the popsicle sticks and take some athletic tape, and he would take that finger and put it back. Some of them were still crooked. He would, we were broke, and he's not a doctor. He'd get it as straight as he could, wrap it up, and say, get back in the game. You'll be fine. You'll be good, right? And that's why my mom quit coming to baseball games early on. She's like, I'm not, I'm not going to watch that. But he would bind it up. He would put it back. He would cure it kind of. He would restore it back to where it's kind of pointing straight. He'd bind it up. See, if we would allow God into that broken heart, if we'll allow him into that area of our life, what he does is he starts to bind that up, those hurt areas, softens the hardened areas, the, the hatred maybe we have towards a parent because of the way they did us are, are towards a, a sibling because they always got more attention than we did and they did us wrong or, or whatever that broken heart. And, and, and this is an amazing area of growth for all of us because I call these me and God moments. You know it's okay for you and God to have your own moments because there's some people around you and your family and your sphere of influence that are never going to understand how hurt you've been. They're just going to look at you and go, get over it, right? Pull your boots up by the bootstraps and get on with life. Go to Lowe's, get a ladder, and get over it. Because they don't understand how hurt you are. They don't understand the sleepless nights you've spent feeling that anguish because you've been done wrong by someone. But you know who does, does understand? God. And what an amazing opportunity to have me and God moments. Me and God moments where I press away with God and say, God, okay, I'm going to open this area of my life up to you. And I'm trusting you, God, to be gentle and to heal me of this broken heart. Bind up this hate in my heart. Bind up this hurt place in my heart. I want to be new again. I want the newness to come about, to come to realization in my life. I don't want to be bitter anymore. I don't want to be the person that other people see turn the other way at the grocery store. I want to be kind and loving and gentle. And the only way I can do that, guys, is if you bind up those hurt places in my life. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up the wounds. And this, this next scripture is, is, is a place that we should land in reference to having a broken heart. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If we try to bind up our own broken heart, Outside of, God is the, the heart surgeon. How come God is so good at healing us from broken hearts? Because that heart represents our emotions. The word heart here. We're not talking about a physical heart. We're talking about the emotional side of us. God created you. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. God knows everything about you. And the reason that he can, he's so good at healing those broken areas in our heart is because he's really healing our emotions. He's healing our emotions. He created our emotions. If, if, let's say I have a Ferrari, and the Ferrari's not running right. I'm not going to take that Ferrari to a quick lube and say, hey, it's sputtering a little bit. Can you check it out? <laughs> 
some college student comes out and goes, yeah, I can check it out. Let me take it for a test drive. No, I'm going to take that Ferrari to a Ferrari dealership where someone has spent hours learning how to work on that particular car because they know what they're doing. If I need my emotions healed, I'm not going to call Oprah. I'm not going to call Dr. Phil. I'm going to go to the one who created my emotions and who knows me so well that he knows how I think and how I feel. And he and I are going to deal with this on a daily basis until I wake up one day and I'm, the new is here. God, you're my healer and you have healed my emotions. You've healed my broken heart. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. It's a promise. And I will give you rest. It's hard to rest with a broken heart because you're either mad at the world or you don't want to deal with the world. When God is working on you and binding those things up, there's a newness, there's a freshness. There's a, it's an amazing thing to have you and God moments. Everybody's not going to understand why you're hurt because what hurts you may not hurt someone else because we're all made different. God knows. God knows your heart. So this week, if you're struggling with hurt in your own life, why don't you have some me and God moments? Press away. Take some time. Say, Lord, let's just get this on the table. I am pissed. I'm upset with you, God. I'm, I'm reading through, I'm reading through a, a, a book right now called Leap Over a Wall for the hundredth time. It's one of my favorite books. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and so there, there's Eugene Patterson paraphrase the, the message, who wrote this book, and it's about the life of David. Brokenhearted. Maybe you've been, maybe church has broken your heart. Maybe you've been really hurt by church. And, and, and rightly so, because there's some really wacky things going on out there. Maybe, maybe, maybe you lost faith in God because you've lost faith in, in church. Well, let me tell you, don't put your faith in any church. Put your faith in God. God's not going to let you down. But Eugene Patterson says this in this one chapter uh, about religion and, and about uh, community. He says, every time I move to a new community, I find a, the closest church and I join it. And I commit myself to serving and to learning and to be a part of that community. And he says this. I love this. He goes, I have never been anything but utterly disappointed. Because people are going to disappoint you. He says, you go into a church thinking these people have got it right and these people know, yeah, da, 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 da. and he said, all of a sudden you hear gossip and you hear these people talking about this person and you hear this person doing this and people are angry. Hey, you know, I mean, can, can you imagine coming into Coastline and somebody coming up to you going, hey, you're in my seat? <laughs> That's not your seat. No, your seat. God just laughs at you when you say stuff like that. Maybe, maybe the church has, has broken your heart. But can I tell you, this is what God gave us to help promote the gospel. And then and Eugene Patterson says this every once in a while. He says, every once in a while, you see a beautiful ray of light come through the church. Cre- Holy Spirit creative, loving, gentle. So wherever your broken heart came, or maybe it came from the church, can I just tell you that God will, God will bind that up? And, and if you're weary today... Don't put your faith in any man or any church. Put it in God. Have some me and God moments this week. Last thing. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Because God is our healer, we have hope. Hope is the oxygen of the human soul. If we find ourselves in a place where we lose hope, we're in a bad place. 
We're in a bad, because when we lose hope, we stop breathing abundant life. And when we stop breathing abundant life that God created for us, we try to find abundant life in the things of this world. And it's a downward spiral that ends in death because sin leads to death. Because God is our healer in these different areas, it's way too much to go all the way into. I just chose these four today just through praying and, and as the, the four I felt led to, to hit. But because of these, these things, because he is our healer, we have hope. We have hope. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Going back to physical healing, going back to that area of being healed of our sin, going back to that area of being healed from our past, going back to that area of being healed of a broken heart, Jesus does all of those things. Therefore, we have hope in eternal life because of what Jesus did for us. So I'm praying for someone to be healed and God doesn't heal them. I am operating in what I see. God's operating in the unseen. I am a person of flesh. I'm a person of circumstance. So I'm saying, God, why won't you do this? Because of what I see. God's behind the scenes going, I'm working in the unseen. Because the unseen is so much more powerful than the seen. It's eternal. It is eternal. The, the unseen. So, so here's the idea. He is our healer. He will heal us in different areas. But however he decides to do that is up to him because he's God. You can't manipulate God. You can't put him in a box. You can't control God. He's God. He is the I am. About four to five weeks ago, there was a, a homegoing service for this lady in Georgia. A pastor friend of mine was acquainted with her and the ministry she was involved in in the church. She fought cancer for 20 years. And as she got to the end of her battle, she knew her body well enough. She knew that, that God was calling her home. So she planned her own funeral. Which I think is really cool. And so she wrote two different letters. She planned the whole service. And so one was abroad, thousands of people. This is a, a loving, giving woman. Thousands of people at this funeral. The worship was led by somebody. If I said his name, you'd know him. The pastor that did it, you'd know him. And so one was to the general public there. And she said, you know what? Basically, the gist of it was, don't cry for me. I had a great life. And even if I could come back, I wouldn't. Because you're seeing the scene right now. I'm living the unseen. So don't cry for me. Then over 200 ladies stood up at the request of the pastor. This lady had personally mentored over 200 of these women. Wow, I was right. You know what that takes? It takes time. It takes getting in the ditch. It takes not being important. Had mentored over 200 women. And so in planning her funeral, she had them all stand. And she said, don't cry for me. If you want to do anything for me, let my legacy live on through you. But don't think for a second I want to come back. And even if I could, I wouldn't. 
because you're seeing the scene and I'm living the unseen. So today, stand on, hide in. He is our healer. He will heal us in every way that we need. In a few months, we'll celebrate Christmas. And you'll hear this word, Emmanuel. And what does that mean? God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He that knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Here's Jesus. He comes and he fulfills every one of these covenant names. And in Jesus, we have hope for eternal life. That's where our hope is. It's the blessed hope, right? If you profess yourself a Christian and you're still wavering on hope for eternity, you're in bad shape. That, that is the hope. That's the system that God set up for us to spend eternity with him, putting our faith in Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. The teacher steps out from behind the desk, comes down among the students, walks among them, does what they can't do by living a sinless life, and then bores our sin on the cross so that we could have a way back, a bridge back to spend an eternity with God in heaven. So today, maybe circumstance of life has you seen the scene. That's probably not grammatically correct. Seeing the scene. And God's crying out to you. And you know it in your heart at this very moment. God's crying out to you going, there's a, there's a whole other world out there that you're going to spend eternity in. And he beckons and he calls and he says, please, please, I've made every effort. I'm ta- my hands are off now. I've made a way for you by sending my only son. Maybe you're here, you need a fresh start. You need a starting point. You need something to change in your life. Maybe you're here and you've been assessing this Christianity thing for years. For years upon years upon years. And maybe, maybe perhaps today, a little jaunt of the Holy Spirit's nudging at your heart going, you know this is real. You know it. What are you going to do with it? Can nobody, nobody can put your faith in Jesus for you. It's between you and God. Salvation is a personal faith matter. So maybe there's some of us, like in the first service here, we say, you know what, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to give in and take my hands off the steering wheel of life. And then maybe there's another group of us that are brokenhearted, that are dealing with our past. Can I tell you, he's Jehovah Rapha. He's the God that heals us of a broken heart. He heals us of our past. So whatever group you, you fall in today, just know God stands at the ready to give you new life. Whoever's found in Christ Jesus, the old is gone and the new is here are to bind up that broken heart. He's able, he's willing, and he's ready. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Nobody moving unless you have to. Nobody looking around. Maybe, maybe that's you in that first category, and you know that you need to put your faith in Jesus. You've been running, and you've been fighting, and you've been tolling for a long time, and you're tired, and you're weary. And Jesus is saying, hey, just come to me. I'm going to give you rest. I will give you rest. If that's you, and you, and you need you need forgiveness of sin, you need the assurance of eternal life, and you need Jesus Christ in your life, you need a fresh start, a starting point, and you're ready, you are ready. No one else is ready for you. You are ready to make that decision today. I want to pray with you. Would you slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back down? I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. Thanks. I see your hand. See, I'm ready to do that. You know, a lot of questions may be going through your mind right now. Like, what do I have to give up? Or I would be a hypocrite if I said this. You know in your heart right now. You know in your heart you need to make this decision. Don't let You let God take care of the rest of stuff that may be going on in your life. But in this moment of time right now, you have a choice. You can do that. Anyone else? 
That's me. I know I need to do that today. I'm ready to start my life of faith, my journey, if you will. If you raised your hand, I want to pray with you right where you're sitting. Nothing magical about this prayer, but virtue by virtue of you recognizing the fact that you need a Savior, God's already working in your heart. The old is going away and the new is coming, but just as a confession of your heart, pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, just in your heart. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me. And right now I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in a grave. I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe he's in heaven today making intercession for me, praying for me. I believe he's coming back for me one day. So God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that flood my soul at this very moment. Lord, give me the boldness to go to that tent and talk with someone or to email a pastor. Give me the boldness to get involved in a life group, to get community going in my life. But most of all, in this precious moment, right here, right now, thank you with every fiber of my being that you have made a way for me to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I challenge you this week to have some you and God moments, some of those broken heart areas. If you raised your hand, if you're not comfortable going to the tent, email us at startingpoint at thecoastlinechurch.com. Love you.